So just take a look at this. Now keep in mind, this was a uh, state of uh, state of New York district judge over a hundred years ago. Over and over again, courts have said there's nothing sinister in arranging one's affairs as to keep taxes as low as possible. Everybody does so, rich or poor. And all do right, for nobody owes any public duty to pay more than the law demands. They are enforced extractions, not voluntary contributions. Affluent people surround themselves with professionals that help them leverage the tax code in such a way that they're still obeying the law, but they're simply keeping more of what they make for themselves. And we are the advisor development office for you to help do everything we can to achieve that. So when you're talking down the line about dentists that are selling their practice, these are high level um, strategies that we won't get into today, Rick, but know that you have access to them. The ability to, to, to bypass capital gains in the sale of, of a business. I mean, my goodness, for, for many people, this is the one opportunity to monetize everything, all the blood, sweat, tears, money that they put into their business. And they're going to give away how much of it? <laughs> if we can stop, if we can stop that from happening. You not only have a client for life, you have a fountain of referrals, you know, that would, that would come from that. So the issue of course, to that person is, you know, so, so what you tell that person is, you know, what kind of product do you offer? Well, Rather than talking about products, let me let me explain what my emphasis is. It's on mitigating against rising taxes, and it's about creating certainty and predictability for whatever your goals are. Uh, when it comes to taxes, as we've seen, we're seeing it right now. There was a 2.0 to the Secure Act. I think I mentioned this to you and, and Jason before. Just think of the IRS as a multi-generational tax planning machine. <laughs> they're always changing the rules, right? They're, they're, they're tweaking, you know, and the latest one is, you know, the, the, the change to the secure act and the stretch IRA, right? Yep. Um, you probably were aware before that a non spousal beneficiary of, of qualified plan assets could stretch those that taxable um responsibility over their lifetime and now most recently it said no it's not over your lifetime it's over 10 years so all we have to do all you all you have to do is put you and that prospect on the same side of the proverbial table put the government on the other side and you'll have a you'll have a brother in office right nice. it's like playing chess it's like playing chess against uh, an opponent, they get five moves, you get one. It's not fair, but we can still win the game. People want to save money on taxes. Do you like paying taxes? No. And yet we have to pay some. We could lessen the tax burden in a legal manner. Is that a conversation you want to have? Yes. Great. Because this is the scenario right here. Right now, top end tax, federal tax bracket of 37%. We know what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. You know, we know that we have a global kind of crisis on our hand. And if you look, there's one thing that these all have in common. 
these top end these top end uh, uh, marginal tax rates historically happen during or post global military conflicts: World War II, Korea, <laughs> Vietnam. I mean, my goodness. Uh, I don't know if you know this story. Do you know Do you know the story of Ronald Reagan when he was before he was president when he was still making uh, bedtime for Bonzo movies? <laughs> No, I, I may, I probably don't know that story, but I definitely know who Ronald Reagan is. He was uh, my president when I was in the military. There you go. Well, he was, as you know, he was a movie star, right? Mm -hmm. At one point during the peak of his uh, movie fame, he turned down or suspended roles in certain movies because doing more than one or two movies in a year was going to push him into tax brackets that were so egregious that he, you know, sort of parlayed his opportunities to minimize taxes. Now, good for him, but how many people can turn away work because, well, I'll be in a higher tax bracket if I take <laughs> that job or I take those extra hours. That's, it's, it's just, it's an unfair proposition for most people. But here, I want people to understand that number one, Ask them the question. Do you think taxes are going up in our lifetime, staying the same or going down? I think any level-headed person is either going to say, well, I don't know, or they're going up. In either case, you have to plan against them going up or just the unknown. And where's the money? That's the next question. Where is the bulk of most people's wealth? And again, this is kind of a loaded question. You may, you may answer it differently, but I'm just going to put it out there. Where do you think most people have where do you think most people have saved their dollars for retirement probably say real estate you said that before and and again maybe that's a california thing and maybe it's true <laughs> maybe it's true i'm going to suggest that the trillions that are out there exposed to taxes in the future when taxes are going to be higher are in qualified plans iras 401ks SEPs, you know, all the, and that's, and that's what we've been taught. We've been taught max out your 401k, right? Tax deferral is great. Tax deferral is great in the now, but how is tax deferral for someone 10 years from now, if we're in a 50% tax bracket? Yeah. Well, they're locked in that old bracket. They're locked in. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to pay taxes on distributions. Yeah whatever the tax rates are for that year. So yeah. that's why that's why we talk about the hybrid asset class, the alternative assets, as among other things, a way to tax plan, right? What do you sell or what, what products do you offer? Well, I offer a product actually that allows you to grow cash tax-free, access it tax-free, has uncapped growth potential and is protected against market loss. Full stop. See what they say. Right? Yeah. Tax free growth, tax distributions, uncapped growth potential, protected against market loss. And they're probably going to say, why have I never heard this before? <laughs> and how is it legal? 
right? Because it's going to come off when you say it like that and you know you can back it up, Rick. Yep. They're going to ask, you know, what do you, you know, what sort of illicit affairs are you discussing here, right? Because <laughs> if you don't pay tax, we know how most people reduce taxes. They, they don't pay them. They avoid them. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about planning, right? Let's go through that. Let's go through that that buffer account example that Nick went through, right? Because again, where are we positioning this today? Where are we positioning IUL? Well, first of all, we're trying to create diversification by taxation, right? Most people have the vast majority of their wealth in taxable or tax deferred investments. They're also exposed to market risk. Right. And while the market over the long term is still the way to participate in returns that are going to achieve financial goals, the volatility can be difficult. And the volatility during times when someone starts taking withdrawals can absolutely put their goals at risk. So safety and consistency, diversification by taxation. But again, we need just to have a, we need to have a sales process in place. So let's, let's, we'll just run through this real quick. This is the example that, um, well, I always keep talking. We're going to, yeah. we're going to transition. And again, it's age bound, right? Someone 60 to 70 years old has a threshold of 30% of their investable assets that they can put into a tax-free wealth plan like this Let's see what sticks all right i'm going to transition 30 percent of that into a tax-free wealth plan of course in this case we know it you, you and i know it as index universal life and that you know the rhetorical question we always ask is what can you do with a tax-free bucket of cash you can spend yeah. it any way you want i think that's the point there there really are no limitations this is a private contract this is not a well you have to spend it at this rate or you get taxed, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, it doesn't follow the 401k, 403b, 457 template of government rule, right? Mm -hmm. So in this case, we're going to transition 30% of it. And, and what we're going to show here is we're going to use the tax-free distributions to pay taxes on other assets where taxes are, are due. That's, that's the key. So if we look at this example that Nick uh, went over here. Let's see, pull it up. There we go. So here we've shown the $2 million. It's in a traditional wealth portfolio, right? S&P 500, ETF, mutual funds, you name it. <laughs> We're transitioning 30% of it, in this case, over a three-year period, so 30% divided by three, you can see 10% of the $2 million mm -hmm. going in to fund an IUL in years one, two, and three. Once the second annual premium has gone in, this particular, and every, every carrier, every product is going to be different. Sometimes we're going to model these for three payments, other times five, seven, Really depends on really depends on the carrier we choose and why. And remember, we choose those carriers based on a few things: one that is most cost efficient, one that 
um, has the most flexibility around the cash flow, right? The different loan options that are available. And then of course the indexing, right? We can't predict the market, but we can do a lot of uh, research around the top performing indices and uh, what's going to be diversification to whatever's over here on the right side of the ledger. Mm -hmm. But what we've done here is transitioned 30% of it into a tax-free vehicle. And as you can see, now what we do is we stress test it. We go through market scenarios. This, this is 2001 to 2018 repeating. We do that for a reason. 2001 and 2002, if you recall, were very challenging years in the market. Yeah, so it was right after that dot-com bus. Yeah, I mean, really, it was, you know, we've, we've only had, we've only had um, one sustained bear market since the turn of the century. Uh, think about that for a minute, because it's important. How long is the average bull market? I'm just going to tell you. The average bull market lasts about eight years, historically. Mm -hmm. The average bear market last between 18 to 24 months got it with the exception of 2008 we really only had one bear market in the last 22 years what that what i'm trying to tell you is the bull market that we've experienced in the 21st century may be followed up by a bear market that's longer than the norm. That's mm. another reason why it's important to have this market protection, mm -hmm. right? If someone is trying to take withdrawals, they go into 2008, they have a market that's down 40%. Is it a good idea to sell low? Not necessarily. Not because of the, Not usually. Yeah, not usually. Taxes, you do, yeah. yeah. Buy low, sell high. Yes sell low not what we want to do so what's our alternative our buffer account allows us to take that tax-free loan in a year where we wouldn't dare take a withdrawal on top of a negative 40 percent we're just compounding the issue when we do that now you have an option furthermore look at the you know there, there's something out there and i've researched this because it's being bad sort of um, bat, uh, banded, batted about right now, and that is the 4% rule. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but but someone uh, 40 years ago was studying uh, market cycles, asset classes, volatility, and basically said, you should be able to, to draw 4% of your whatever you save for retirement and know with the degree of comfort that you're not going to outlive your assets. Yeah, that has dropped. The, the four, you, you got it. The four percent rule is in jeopardy. Now yep. they're talking about maybe three. You know mm -hmm. what never gets. You know what rarely gets talked about in that conversation. That four percent. We don't know if that four percent is before or after taxes. Right. Right. <laughs> most clients have most of their money in taxable assets. Mm -hmm. and they want to live off of four percent don't they have to take more than four percent to account for the taxes yep 5.7 is the number just so you know i've done the research 
Now you're talking about the 5.7 rule. Well, that's not going to work because now they're saying you have to spend less than 4%. Okay, let's just say it's 4% before taxes. How much do you get to keep if you're taking 4% before taxes? Three, 2.8. Mm-hmm. That's that's your that's your cost of living uh, receding due to taxes. Building more tax-free growth and tax-free distributions is a fundamental key, not only to your clients um, having a possibility uh, to you know, make good on the retirement goals. It makes you a fiduciary. It makes you a comprehensive professional rather than just selling annuities, mutual funds, 401ks. People are not diversified by taxation enough. So this is the key, is to be able to have a place you can go to supplement income in down markets. And and for a lot of people, Rick, this is another one that we're hearing more and more. Well, I could just I could just build this now so that when I am 72 and I have to take required minimum distribution. I, I, you know, you're telling me that my requirement minimum distribution may be four, but net of taxes, it's going to be 2.8. I can't live off of that. If you have a buffer account, you could take a tax-free loan to pay the taxes instead of it coming out of the withdrawal on the right side of the ledger. Mm-hmm. There's so many applications to the tax-free uh you know, wealth solutions, so many options it opens up. California, I've heard. What about long, what's going on with long-term care in California? What are they saying? Oh my gosh, it's... So where are you going to get tax-free distributions to pay for those? Yeah, I like bullet number five. Right here. This yep. is a this is a hot point in California. Guess yes. what? You also don't need to go to Genworth, CNA, whoever the remaining long-term care carriers are. You don't have to jump through the fiery hoops of qualifying through activities mm-hmm. of daily living. I'm dealing with that right now in my own family, Rick. Mm, okay. Uh, I, have a, I have a parent who qualifies for more than two of the six ADLs. But guess what? I still have to prove it. I've mm. got to, we've got to send in receipts. We have to pay for services, then submit documentation and hope that the carrier is prompt and diligent in the reimbursement process. This is not a reimbursement process. This is what I would call cash indemnity. You have yes. the tax. You have the tax-free money. You mm-hmm. go get it. And the and the insurance carrier in the IUL situation is gonna, not going to ask. Well, what do you need this for? Because it's not. It's not up to them. So yeah, this is huge. And then of course, all that, if for some reason someone dies prematurely or you don't use these tax-free loans, distributions, money's gonna pass on income tax-free to mom or to the children or to the charity. So when your client says, what financial products do you offer? rather than just saying annuities and insurance change just change the conversation right i offer solutions 
to the biggest risks that people are facing, rising taxes and market volatility. Are either of those, are either of those a pain point to you? Mm-hmm. If they say no, say, oh, tell me more. So all of your money is, th- does your money have uncapped growth potential with a guarantee against loss? Does it <laughs> mitigate against state and federal income taxes? You know, they, you know, their answer is going to be, well, no, you know, so it's, again, this is just, some of this is just a lot of this is, uh, you know, point of recommendation, but I think the main thing for us is, um, 